Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Rhode Island has an open seat in Congress for the first time in over a decade, and the primary is just weeks away. Our own Globe RI columnist Dan McGowan breaks down the latest in the CD2 race. That's after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with my colleague, Dan McGowan, to talk about one of his favorite topics, wrestling. No, no, (laughs) politics. Dan, start by reminding us why the political world is watching what happens in Rhode Island's second congressional district this year. What's at stake? Well, first of all, I should say I would have been more interested watching wrestling than the debates that these congressional candidates have had. (laughs) But to set it all up, you're right. Congressman Langevin, of course, is retiring. You know, Rhode Island doesn't often have these competitive congressional open seats. And so it set off this race, uh, both on the Democratic and the Republican side. There's a you know, competitive, of course, primary, and then the winner uh, will go on and take Alan Fu- take on Alan Fung in the general election. Yeah, set the scene. Who's running on the Democratic side? Yeah, we've got Seth Magaziner, the state treasurer, right? He's considered kind of the favorite. You know, he's been elected statewide twice. That's kind of why he's got the most money, that sort of thing. David Siegel, former state representative, has been around for a really long time, kind of a progressive activist. Sarah Morgenthau, who's not a household name in Rhode Island, but has a really impressive background as an attorney, worked in the Obama administration, worked in the Biden administration. Enjoy Fox, who a lot of us journalists know because she's worked in communications for a really long time. She worked for Gina Raimondo. She, in fact, worked for Jim Langevin. Omar Ba, who, who you've written about, who's you know a journalist and from the Gambia and, and has a great background. And then uh, I believe Spencer Dickinson, a former state representative, is, is still going to have his name on the ballot. Dan, I know you're a big wrestling fan, pro wrestling fan. So let me ask, in the CD2 race, who's the heel and who's the face? Yeah, let me put on my best Bobby the Brain Heenan impression here and 
I think you have to think that the heel, which is the bad guy character, would be Seth Magaziner. Not because he's such an evil person, but he right, comes in at the last minute. He he doesn't actually live in the or didn't actually live in the district for a long time. The thing about wrestling, though, is that the bad guy always ends up the good guy in the end. And it, would you pick any candidate as the hero, the face? I don't think we have a hero just yet. <laughs> we're we'll still see. working on it. it. Might be you, Ed. <laughs> so we're talking on Wednesday morning and on Tuesday night. Last night, four Democratic candidates took part in a WPRI Channel 12 debate. Can you explain why Omar Ba and Spencer Dickinson were not part of the debate last night? Yeah, this is a little in the weeds, but Channel 12 has essentially rules for their debates. You have to either have, uh, I think, 5% polling or raise or and raise $50,000 or more. And so Spencer Dickinson and Omar Ba did not qualify based on those standards. It's somewhat controversial. You're going to see this in other debates too, but that's that's their decision. With Seth Magazine away ahead in the polls, what did you think? Did he sustain any damage? Did Did that change the race dynamics last night? The biggest winner of the debate was clearly Alan Fung, who wasn't on the stage. If I'm him, I I show them this Democratic debate and I say, pull from Biden. Don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. And And that's going to be the case that he's going to make. When you look at that Democratic primary debate, the answer is no, nothing has changed. Seth Magaziner very clearly seems to have control of that race. And as journalists, we're paying attention to this race, looking for a moment that might change things. I don't think you saw that in the debate at all. Yeah. Did did Magaziner's rivals make a mistake by touting themselves, but not really turning the fire on Magazina to any great extent. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, look, there are real critiques that you could lob at the treasurer, right? He did jump out of the governor's race after planning to run for governor for many, many years, right? He's always been plotting that path to, to the governor's office and then decided to run for this office once Jim Langevin decided to step away. And once he realized that, you know, this governor's race was going to be quite competitive. So that's a legitimate attack that you could kind of lob at the treasurer. Doesn't live in the district, right? Lives on on the east side of Providence, has recently moved in and rented an apartment there, but is not, you know, doesn't own, doesn't have long-standing ties to the district. And you saw, you know, Joy Fox, who's the only candidate that, that does kind of have deep ties to the district has lived there for most of her life and, and all of that. She kind of tried to take a, a little bit of a swing, but it didn't land. This was kind of, you know, this wasn't a, quite a sparring match last night. It was kind of like a game of patty cake. At one point, one of the moderators, Ted Nisi, zeroed in on their weaknesses, the criticism facing them. And tell us about those. Like Sarah Morgenthau, she could not name a Rhode Island Democratic elected woman who supports her. Yeah, and that was maybe the most damaging part of the night. You know, you make the case for good reason. The two females in the race, Morgenthau and, and Fox, are kind of making the argument Rhode Island's never sent a Democratic woman to Congress. And then you get asked, okay, so who's supporting you? Which which current or former elected official? And she couldn't name anybody. The fact is that nobody has endorsed her. That was, I think, the moment that hurts the most. The problem is, is that that's the moment that hurts the person that in some of the polling that we've seen is polling in single digits, right? You don't need to pull away from Sarah Morgenthau. You don't need to pull away from David Siegel. You need to pull away from Seth Magaziner or you need to rise above everybody else. We didn't see that from any of these guys. Yeah. Did Magaziner sustain any damage last night? Did anybody nick him up? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, the residency argument doesn't land in a significant way. There was no moment where he either inadvertently stepped in it or kind of forced to move from his candidates. The thing about this is one of the reasons that Seth Magaziner has such an advantage on top of money and endorsements is these candidates, even, you know, somebody like a David Siegel, who's always been kind of the most progressive person in the room for, for you know, when he was an elected office holder, when he's been a candidate in the past, they all sound the same, right? They all generally, you know, they all generally support President Biden for re-election, Nancy Pelosi as the speaker. So you don't see a lot of clear differences. And then I think that's why I've said if, if everybody's, if all things are equal, then Seth Magaziner is probably the the clear favorite. Yeah, what was the biggest point of policy difference between the candidates last night? I thought right out of the gate, there was a good question asked about, I think, the most important topic right now in, in national politics is the you know student debt relief that President Biden has put forward. And right out of the gate, you did see at least some level of difference. Now, they're all supportive of it, but... Seth Magaziner said he would have rather gone in a direction of interest rates rather than $10,000 in relief. David Siegel said he wanted, he thought the Elizabeth Warren model of going to $50,000 of forgiveness is probably the better move. The other two were a little bit more supportive, I think, of the general plan that, that Biden has. But you saw at least some level of, oh, I would have tried to do this. That's what we want to see. I mean, remember, Congress is a place where you're supposed to be debating with each other, where you're supposed to improve legislation or policy. If everybody just agrees on everything, first of all, that's not the way Congress works, as we know. Uh, but if everybody agrees everything on the debate stage, you don't separate yourself. Were you surprised that not all the Democrats on the stage urge Joe Biden to run again? I was surprised in the sense that both the Globe has done some polling on this in Rhode Island. There's national polling that shows this across the board that not just, you know, voters in general, but Democrats specifically have real concerns about President Biden running for re-election. For all four of them running to try to stand out, to kind of express broad support for the president, it's just surprising to me that not one of them could come up with you know, maybe it's time to move into a younger generation in democratic politics. Everybody seems very content with the status quo. And that's where I go back to what we started talking about. This is why Alan Fung is going to have a really compelling argument to make to voters that if you don't want anything to change at all, fine, vote for the Democrats. If you want some, you know, at least some difference, some arguments to be made, vote for vote for the Republican. <laughs> you mentioned polls. Let's talk about what the polls have shown the Globe and Suffolk University to poll in June. What do we find? Remember, one thing we focused on in June was we kind of looked at how each of the Democrats would perform against Alan Fung was one of the, you know, that's a difference from some of the other polling that we've seen. We saw fairly clearly that Alan Fung has a strong lead against all of these candidates, but Seth Magaziner probably had the argument that he was closest. I think he was within 10 points or something um, like that. And so, you know, they're a little bit closer. We did do a breakdown of, of how that primary could look. And Seth Magaziner had a w very large lead. I think he was somewhere in the 30s and nobody else was was even into double digits yet. You've seen that the same now. Channel 12 just came out with a similar poll. Seth Magaziner at 37%, David Siegel and uh, Sarah Morgenthau both at 8%, uh, and then you know much, much less after that. Yeah, that Channel 12 poll uh, done in August showed 
there is still a large percentage, like more than a third, right, undecided. Yeah, that that's the the biggest thing that we've seen in a lot of the polling in in Rhode Island this year is just there's you know coming down the wire, you're not seeing a third of voters being uh, not ready to make a decision yet. The only challenge with that, I mean, that always gives hope to yeah, the candidates. Yeah, does that give hope to the other candidates? In some ways, I, I suppose if I were running for office, I would make the argument to my supporters and to journalists that, yes, this gives me a chance. But if you're down 30 points, which is where these candidates are to Seth Magaziner, do you really think that all of the undecided voters are going to break and are going to break specifically for you as opposed to maybe being spread out. I mean, 37% might win this race for Seth Magaziner. Two of the Democratic candidates, Morgenthau and Fox, noted that they would be the first woman, Democratic woman elected to Congress from Rhode Island. And they underscored the significance of that now that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. How much do you think abortion rights is going to be a major part of the general election? Oh, I think it's huge in the general election. I think it's harder in the primary because you have all of these candidates who uh, are broadly supportive of abortion rights, while both Morgenthau and Fox make pretty compelling points about sending a, you know, a Democratic woman to Congress. Seth Magaziner is right to point out that he's, in fact, endorsed by the National Organization for Women, right? So he does have, you know, some level of support there, too. In the general election, I think it's a big deal. I think, that, you know, the the challenge for any of the Democrats running against a popular former mayor like Alan Fogg is they need to nationalize this race, right? If it's a referendum on Alan Fung's time as mayor, Alan Fung is in great shape. And so for any of the Democrats, this needs to be a race about, you know, the future of the country. You know, the, the argument, you even heard this a little bit last night about this isn't just about necessarily, you know, a woman's right to choose. This starts to go down the path of will gay marriage be overturned at some point, things like that. And so any attempt for the Democrats to kind of nationalize this race probably serves to their benefit given where voters are in Rhode Island. Speaking of the Republicans, I saw that Alan Fung just put up a TV ad that portrays him as a superhero in khakis. What was he getting at there? And what did you think of that ad? I suppose it was high energy and it was kind of cute. I'm always a sucker for, you know, kind of a, a, the cuter ads that you see in these elections. Sometimes you know, you, your eyes glaze over if it just looks like it's, you know, the television news talking at you again. I think what Alan Fung is trying to do is show you some combination of I was a really popular and good mayor. I'm a likable guy. And actually, I represent change, right? You saw at the end, he's at the gas pump and he's really frustrated. Alan Fung is never going to win an Academy Award or an Emmy for his performances on television. And so he struggles with that. But it's a more memorable commercial than we've seen maybe from any of the other candidates in the race. What did you make of the recent visit to Rhode Island by the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy? Yeah, you know, this is that challenge that Alan Fung, to some degree, has as, you know, trying to balance being a Rhode Island Republican with trying to energize national Republicans and get them to invest in this race. He wants national money, right? He wants to be a factor uh, within the party. And so you, you know, you embrace somebody like Kevin McCarthy, who I, I, another person I don't consider a household name here in Rhode Island, but certainly is very polarizing, is very pro-Trump, is doing anything he can. Remember, he missed a spot once to be the speaker. Now he wants the speakership and he thinks he's got it lined up. Alan Fung want, you know, has said, I'll support him for speaker. 
you know, Alan Fung in kind of typical predictable Alan Fung fashion kind of bungled the visit, right? He kind of – He didn't mention it for days. He didn't mention it. He tr- tried to kind of hide from it. He kind of gift wrapped it for, for Channel 10 and that was a strange decision. But, you know, do the voters actually think about this and care deeply? I'm not sure. I think the thing that hurts Alan Fung the most in this race is wearing that Donald Trump hat to the inauguration. I still think the only thing that really is going to grind the gears of Rhode Islanders is the the association to Trump, not to McCarthy. So there's only a couple of weeks left. Do you see anything that could change to the da- dynamics of the Democratic primary in CD2? I mean, Seth Magaziner would have to move out of state to lose this race at this point. I can't imagine anything is going to is going to change. He just has too much of an advantage financially, endorsements, and kind of an underwhelming group of opponents. And we'll end with a fun question. In debate last night, they asked the candidates, what's your favorite place to eat ice cream? Uh, Morgan Thau and Magazina mentioned Brickley's. Siegel said Tricycle, I believe. And Fox said Vanilla Bean. What's yours? I'm disappointed they didn't say Mr. Lemon, which I know is not ice cream. It's not ice cream. Answer um, the question, Dan. I, I suppose it would be Brickley's. I think Brickley's <laughs> is fantastic. I'm with them. Mr. Lemon is your answer for everything. Favorite restaurant, favorite <laughs> drink. It's a great place. It's a great place. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ed. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. A homegrown comedian who is known for her Rhode Island-based humor is hitting the big time. Seekonk native and LaSalle Academy grad Alyssa Lemperis has a new comedy show on the streaming service Peacock. Brian Amaral has the details. A man who was arrested for fighting on the Black Island Ferry is in trouble again. He was arrested in Pawtucket for allegedly stealing a car and having an unlicensed firearm. Alexa Gagas has the story. Alexa is also covering the trial of Gene Lugo, the Providence police officer who has been accused of assaulting his political opponent, Jennifer Rock. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall and Carlos Munoz. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport. Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.